Good morning. My name is Jean. Today's reading is from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 12, beginning at verse 31. Listen for the word of God. Strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end, and as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now, I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. For you so loved the world that you gave us your only son, that we would not perish, but we would receive the gift of eternal life. I pray through these human words that your living word might be heard and your eternal life is given and received. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we're continuing our walk through 1 Corinthians. You'll remember that this is part of a letter from the Apostle Paul to the community of early Christians in Corinth. As an overseer, this community's been Paul's problem child from the beginning. This is a community rife with all sorts of conflict and personal problems from being split into factions to frequenting 
prostitutes to treating the Lord's Supper like a dinner party for the wealthy. I guess Tony's report says, you know, things could certainly be worse at St. George's. If you recall the sermon from a couple of weeks ago, one of the greatest sources of tension has to do with spiritual gifts. Some members have what's called the gift of speaking in tongues. And remember that tongues are a form of ecstatic speech. This is where someone, inspired by the Holy Spirit, speaks in what seems like an unknown language. And if it's an authentic communication, then another person should, also inspired by the Holy Spirit, be able to translate it to the community. I feel like we need to, every time something about tongues are read, somebody always asks me, well, what are tongues? So I want to get that out of the way. Um, Well, the big problem is that in this Corinthian community is that the folks who speak in tongues believe that having this gift endows them with a kind of spiritual superiority. By having this gift, they've been uniquely blessed chosen, that they have an elevated spiritual status over other members who don't have this gift. And they look down on the other members, take them less seriously, and take it as an excuse to exert power over them. They think that they're better, to put it simply, and it shows. And this is a great source of tension in this community. According to Paul, though, This represents something of a big problem. If I speak in tongues of mortals and angels, he says, if I speak in tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Sure, you can speak in tongues, Paul says, and that's great. Tongues are one of the spiritual gifts. But without love, though, those tongues are like a sax with no reed. They're like the teacher's voice in Charlie Brown. Wah, wah, wah. You can speak in tongues all you want. Without love, though, it's all just white noise. Without love, tongues are meaningless. And Paul just doesn't leave it at tongues either. He parades out a bunch of the other spiritual gifts, too and holds them up to the same examination. You may have a word directly from the Lord, he says. You may grasp the most arcane, mystical points of doctrine. Your mind could be something like the cloud, every Bible verse at your fingertips. You maybe even can shove the Rocky Mountains into the sea by the power of faith. You can sell everything you've got, empty your life savings, and you can give it all Away, you can even sacrifice yourself. You can get executed as a martyr for Jesus' sake, which Paul ended up doing, by the way. You can do all that and then some. But guess what? Without love, you might as well have just stayed at home. All the saintly virtues in the world won't make up for a heart hardened to your neighbor. Without love, even the best person in the world is in the spiritual red. There's a deficit. According to Paul, these Corinthians may be super spiritual, sophisticated, and successful, impressive specimens all around. They know everything, have everything, can do anything, but in the end, they are good for nothing. 
it's all canceled out because they don't have love. Without love, they're nothing at all. Now, my guess is that few of us have soared to the kind of spiritual or more heights that Paul's pointing to here, though maybe a few of you have you know, gone out and through the power of faith nudged the you know, nudged uh, forbidden plateau a little bit or something, I don't know. Uh, maybe by the power of your faith, maybe you've done that. I haven't seen something quite so impressive. But we all have virtues of one or another. We all have virtues. Even if you think, even if your virtue is thinking that virtue, virtuousness in itself is BS, <laughs> that's your virtue. In that way, we're all susceptible to the same phenomenon that the Corinthians are here. You know, this past week, I was having a really good day. I was feeling really proud of myself. I got all my Sunday research done in time. Then I got this lovely thank you card in the mail about how important I've been to someone's return to Christianity after being burned uh, by the church as a teen. Then I was on a Zoom meeting in the afternoon where I got to witness our ministry student, Christopher Slusar's interview to approve his ministry placement. Yes, we can give. Let's give, in case Christopher's watching. (laughs) Christopher was approved, so that's great. But I got to bask in the glow of Christopher's compliments about me in the meeting, how instrumental I've been on his faith journey. And coming off the heels of uh, Richard Topping's visit last week where he said a lot of nice things about Ingrid and I, and I was feeling pretty good about myself all around. I was walking on sunshine, even though the sun was nowhere to be seen. Like a real pro, it was a real banner day. You're welcome, Jesus. Yeah. Then I was walking home with a spring in my step, of course, but my hot streak came to an end. There was a street person straight ahead of me, and I knew him not very well. He was sort of hobbling along, obviously in some pain, and I'd, have enough, I'd haven't had enough interactions with him to know that A, he was a talker, right? and B, he always had a story that ended in an ask for money. Oh no, I thought. Not this guy. I've got way better things to do than get caught up with this guy. I don't have time and I don't want to give him money or I don't want to say no to giving him money. I just want to go home. I just want to kick up my feet. And I want to relax. And at this point, it occurred to me that I was wearing my clergy collar, right? Which would have tipped him off as to who I am. And probably he would have had an extra high ask, <laughs> in fact. So I zipped up my coat, zoop, <laughs> put my head down, and just trudged forward, inconvenience successfully avoided. And unfortunately, this meant that when I sat down to read this text for the sermon again the next day, I realized that it was all about me. I can have a pile of thank you cards. I can have a master's degree from the Vancouver School of Theology under all the best teachers. I can preach good sermons and recruit new ministers, receive all the accolades in the world, but if I don't have a tiny bit of love 
for a suffering soul. According to Paul, it's all for naught. Love is patient, Paul says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And that certainly was not a descriptor of me. Clearly, it wasn't the worst thing to do. Honestly, this population of people can be extremely difficult and demanding. They can be selfish, (laughs) manipulative, and even malevolent, like the rest of us. But if I can't marshal a little bit of grace in a minor situation like this, what about a bigger one in my personal life or the life of the church, one that I can't just zip up my collar, put my head down, and avoid. It was clear to me just how short of true righteousness I still fall. Believe it or not, I'm still a sinner, even on my most virtuous days. Cat's out of the bag now, everybody. Ryan is a sinner. (laughs) Simply because without love, I'm nothing. No doubt you've got your own story like this one too. No doubt there's someone in your life that you've failed to love enough or are currently failing to love in a way that you need to. Success over here, failure over there. What's clear is that we need love. Love, 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 love is all we need. More specifically, we need to be more loving. I need to be more loving, more patient, more kind, less envious, less rude, less resentful, more charitable, more like Jesus. Otherwise, according to Paul, I might as well be nothing. I might as well just turn off the alarm clock, pull the covers over my head, and go back to bed. I don't know about you, though, but more often than not, I am simply tapped out for love. There's just so much need and so much suffering out there that it is like a bottomless pit. You can shove all the love you've got in, and it just disappears into the abyss without seeming to make a dent. We need love, we want to love, but the truth is that more often than not, we just don't have it in us. Part of that reason is that we're not God, (laughs) and we're human. But it's still clear that we need to be more loving. We need to be more loving. The good news is, though, there is good news. The good news is that the kind of love we're talking about, that Paul's talking about, isn't just our own. The love that we're talking about 
The love that we talk about in church isn't just our own love. Love, Paul says, love never ends. All those other things, those prophecies, tongues, knowledge, degrees from the Vancouver School of Theology, ministries, all of them come to an end. For we see now in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I only know in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And the greatest of these is love. Love never ends. The love Paul's talking about is eternal love. The great theologian Karl Barth says that love is the eternal future shining into the present. And why is that? Because, as it says in 1 John, love is of God because God is love. Everything else in life is partial. Spiritual gifts, prophecies, our achievements, our failures, all that stuff is destined to slide like, the sand, like a sandcastle right into the sea. But this love, he says, this love abides. This love lasts forever. It lasts forever because the love we're talking about isn't yours, and it isn't mine. It's a love of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And what does this mean? Because love is eternal, it's never-ending, it's also infinite, it's unilateral and unconditional. It's love for the unloved, love for the unlovable, love for sinners like me. It's for we who, who can't scratch together enough love on our own to love. God continues to love you even in your failure to love. The love of God, says Paul elsewhere, the love of God is poured within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The love comes from outside of us and it's already there for you and for me. It means that you don't just have to dig deeper or just try harder at loving. It means the love that you need to give, it's already there. It's already there, it's already given, because it's already provided from the heart of the universe in Christ, shed for all on the cross. For saints and sinners alike, a love that'll never dry up or run out, whatever your struggle is, whoever you're having trouble loving, even if that person is you, know that God has more enough, more than enough to go around. You don't have to generate it, but when you need it, it's already there to lean on. It's already there to draw upon a bottomless well of eternal grace. God is love, and the love is already there, even when our love has run out. The unfortunate truth is that, brothers and sisters, 
that without love, all our best and our bravest and brightest acts are defin- destined to drift away like smoke. And if you're me, like me, you'll find that there are times where you just don't have it in you to love anymore. No matter how much you want to, no matter how hard you try, simply because you are not God. But the good news is that there is a God. There is a God, and because this God is love itself, there's already more than enough to go around. Where we can't love as we oughta, this God's got more love than we could ever hope for. Faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. Love lasts forever. And it's more than we'll ever need. So drink deep at the well of love, friends. Drink deep and let it change you. In Jesus' name, amen.